0: Very good. You sound good too. Thank you, choir. It was, uh, it was great. Some of those uh, songs brought me back to uh, church as a kid and uh, even now as a grown adult uh, seeking the will of God for my life. Those songs mean a lot more to me. So thank you for this morning. Dr. Reggie, appreciate you allowing me to preach in your pulpit this morning. Uh, it's a real honor. I- I'm preaching in a church every Sunday this fall. And uh, this is one of the highlights of the fall for me, and I'm thrilled to be able to preach this morning. So um, if you've got a copy of God's Word, Exodus chapter 14 is our text this morning. Um, I am honored to be able to travel from Atlanta, Georgia, to be with you guys this morning. My wife uh, and my three-month-old son, Roman, are about to board a plane to Los Angeles from Atlanta this morning, and then my five-year-old, Deacon, and my four-year-old, Eden, uh, they're back in Atlanta, and they're staying with friends while my wife and I are in Los Angeles this week. They typically travel with us everywhere uh, we go. And uh, my three-month-old has, has uh, lived his life in a minivan for the first three months of his life. And I'm confident he's going to have some issues because of that later on in life. But, uh, but, but they typically travel with me everywhere I go. And uh, we were in a church. I was telling one of your staff members, Dr. Reggie, earlier. Uh, we were in a church about a month ago. And during the special music, uh, there was about 300 people in the auditorium, and uh, so the lady got up to sing the special music, and, you know, the important part of the service. And my daughter stands up and puts both fingers in her ears. (laughs) It was a real blessing. She was thinking what all of us were thinking, but (laughs) she just had the freedom to express it. And so... And, uh, and then so this summer, we were in a very large church in Jacksonville, and uh, during the special music, my son stood up, and he did this number, <laughs> which was also another blessing. And so we typically hide our kids in children's ministry whenever we go somewhere. Uh, and so anyway, so we're glad to be here. I want to pray for us this morning, and I want to jump right into a text that, that uh, due to a lot of things over the last year and a half is, uh, is the journey that we're walking through as a family. And due to the timing of being in Los Angeles this week and what we have to accomplish this week, it's even more uh, deep and personal to my family this morning. So let me pray for us and then we'll jump right in. God, we love you. And God, we acknowledge this morning that there is not a care or concern, God, that we have for ourselves that even rivals the affections that you have for us, God. So, God, this morning, as you love us and you desire, uh, God, your best for us, I pray that you would give us open hearts and open ears. Uh, God, I pray that you would allow us to step forward into what you would have for us, trusting you, God. That's our role in this story, trusting you, God, with what you have for us. And so, Lord, we love you for it. Thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for this great family of believers in this church, Lord, in this city. And so, God, this morning, I pray that you would forgive the LSU Tigers for what they did to Dr. Reggie's Old Miss Rebels last night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) I can't tell you how many of y'all have come up to me and said something about LSU this morning. And so I'm glad that the Lord allowed me to be... Uh, to attend the school with the real death valley in Clemson South Carolina but anyway that's another story so Exodus chapter fourteen. I want to start in chapter thirteen, verse seventeen, and I want to give you a setup verse for chapter fourteen here, just for a moment. Um, my daughter, we've been teaching her how to ride a bicycle. Uh, she just turned four years old in October. We've been teaching her how to ride a bicycle. I don't know if you remember what it was like to learn how to ride a bicycle, but uh, so we've been spending a lot of time in the church parking lot, and and she's got the bicycle with the training wheels, and we stand behind her and we put our hands on her shoulders and we push her across the parking lot. And And I spend a lot of time saying, trust daddy, trust daddy, trust daddy. It comes easy to my son. He's good at it. It did not come so easy for my daughter to trust daddy in learning how to ride a bicycle. I can identify with my daughter's trust issues. I, um, uh, I just have to be honest before you this morning. I think a lot of times, and I know it's not the case with Dr. Reggie, but a lot of times somebody will stand in a pulpit and they'll pretend to have everything together. I, I don't have everything together this morning, and I want to I be vulnerable and honest before you this morning and say, I can identify with my daughter's trust issues. I have, I have issues trusting things that I just cannot see. Um, I have issues trusting things that I have no idea how they're going to work out. I have issues trusting what my my health is going to be like when I'm a little bit older. I have issues trusting how I'm going to pay for my kids' college education when they're finally old enough to go to Clemson University. I have issues trusting things that I just cannot see. I don't know if you can identify with my trust issues this morning, but about a year and a half ago... We believe that God was asking us to trust Him with something that we just could not see. I was walking out of Madison Square Park in New York City and a great friend of mine was walking beside me. He said something to me, Dr. Reggie, that struck me very deep and it was very personal. It reminded me of when God called me to ministry at 21 years old. And I knew that it was what God was saying. I knew this was a word from God that day and it struck me and it was very emotional and I dismissed it and I said, man, thank you for sharing that. And I was almost in tears. I said, but I really don't want to talk about it right now. And Dr. Reggie, that began an eight month journey where I woke up every day and literally I thought I heard God say something about planning a church literally every single day for the next eight months. And I have to be honest before you this morning i 've been in youth ministry for fourteen years gods you don 't know my story but 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 i 've been in a place that i 've loved to do ministry that I could have lived there for my entire life, regardless of whether I did ministry or not. I love my pastor, I love our church, I love our people uh, i've had the privilege to travel across the country and preach i 've had the opportunity to write books uh, i 've had the opportunity to be in a great place of god 's favor over the last eight and a half years at woodstock and all i ever ever wanted to do was to do student ministry. And then God begins to say, I want you to plant a church. Can I tell you for eight months, I woke up every single day and honest to goodness before you and God this morning, this is what I said to him. Thank you, God. But no, thank you. Appreciate the offer, God, but really I'm I'm good where I am. (laughs) I, I don't know if you can identify with my trust issues this morning. But I believe uh, the Word of God has a word for us this morning in chapter 14. And I want to preach a message this morning titled, Out Upon the Waters. Chapter 13, verse 17 is a great setup verse for us in chapter 14 let me just read it for you and then we'll jump right in chapter 13 verse 17 you know the story it's the people of god leaving the place where they were in bondage and slavery in egypt and god has led them out of that place and now he's leading them towards the place where he would eventually launch the mission of god in the promised land and as he is leading them the people of god this is what they say this is what the word of god says about them in verse 17 now when pharaoh had let the people go God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Now, if you know the story of the Philistines, and I'm sure you do, the Philistines are a warring people. There are people that love to go to battle. There are people that love to get after it. They're very intimidating people. And the scripture says God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. In other words, the place where God was taking them, the most direct route was through the land of the Philistines. Yet God did not take them on the most direct route. God took them on a circuitous route. And here is the reason why. For God said the people might change their minds when they see war and they may return to Egypt. That's a great setup verse for chapter 14 this morning. And I, I just want to make a statement before we ever jump into what I want to share with you this morning. And I want to say this in our issues of doubt, and our issues of trust and our issues of fear, whenever we believe we hear what God is saying in our lives, I want to remind all of us at the very beginning this morning that God has already seen what's on the other side of our doubts, and what's on the other side of our fears, and what's on the other side of our trust issues, and God has already made provision. Amen? Amen. Now chapter 14 starting in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying Verse 2 I had this underlined. Tell the sons of Israel. Now I think this is very important here in chapter 14. This is a story of the people of God crossing the Red Sea. You've heard this story multiple times before. You've read it multiple times before. I think what's very important here in chapter 14, verse 1, is that the will of God was very obvious and evident to the people of God who were um, hearing the voice of Moses through God uh, during this time. So this morning, I don't want to preach a message on discerning the will of God. That's another message for another day and another time, and we can talk through what it looks like to discern the will of God for your life. That's That's not what the content of this morning's message is. I'm assuming this morning that at some point in your life, maybe now, maybe in the past, maybe in the future, that you will hear very clearly, God say something in your life. And in that moment, when you very clearly understand God's will, that is the moment that we have the opportunity to demonstrate what I believe is one of the deepest experiences in the Christian life, and that is to trust God. Now, God said to Moses, tell the people, tell the sons of Israel, they know very clearly this is what God is doing, to turn back and to camp before a certain place, between another place and the sea, and you will camp in front of another place, opposite of it by the sea. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will save the sons of Israel. They are wandering aimlessly in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in. thus, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, verse 4, God says, and he will chase after them. And God says, I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And the end of verse 4 says, and they did so. It's the story of the people of God on the shores of the Red Sea. I want you to use your imagination with me this morning. You can draw your own picture of what the scene on the Red Sea looked like that day. I don't know what it looked like that day. I don't know what was happening on the bank of the Red Sea. I don't know if the kids were swimming in the water. I don't know if mom and dad are are, are sunbathing. I don't know if they've got a game of corn. I don't know what's happening on the shores of the Red Sea that day. But I do know this. The Scripture tells us all of a sudden, at the shoulders of the people of God who were standing on the banks of the Red Sea, there's a rumbling. And in that moment, the people of God turn around, and all across the horizon, as far as the eye can see, the Scripture says Pharaoh and every chariot that he could find in Egypt, Pharaoh and every soldier that he could convince in Egypt... Everything that the people of God had just left and everything that they had feared and everything that they did not want to be a part of, now they are looking in their eyes and they can see all across the horizon Pharaoh is coming for them. Now I I, I don't know, you can draw your own imagination this morning and wonder what the people of God were thinking in that moment, I, I don't know. Uh, 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 I have my suspicion as to what they were thinking because I'm just trying to insert myself into the scene and wonder how would I believe? How would I think? How would I feel in the moment? This is what they said, verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and they behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And I think this is a very funny part of Scripture. And they became very frightened. Well, of course they did. (laughs) And they became very frightened, so the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, which I think is a great response. In their time of need, they know this is what God is doing. They, they have an issue and they're having issues of trust and they cry out to the Lord. They have a vertical response. And then in verse 11, th- then they look horizontally. They say, then they said to Moses, <laughs> Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Can, can, you, can you identify with the people of God in this moment? God has very clearly spoken in your life. God has very evidently told you the will of God for your life this morning. And then along the journey and and in the story and as you were going on the way following the will of God, something comes up and you have all of these issues of doubt and you have all of these issues of trust. And the people of God look back to Moses and they say to Moses, Moses, really? Moses did you really have to bring us to the shores of the Red Sea Moses were there no graves in Egypt that we could have been buried there have you brought us here to die Moses And then they make a statement in verse 12. Is this not the word we spoke to you in Egypt? They remind Moses of of a conversation they had before they ever ever left Egypt. And they said, Moses, is this not what we said to you in Egypt, Moses? Leave us alone. This is what they said. That we may serve the Egyptians. And here's the statement that they make. And I have it underlined in my Bible. And this is what they said. Moses, remember we told you this in Egypt, for it would have been better. (laughs) For us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses, it, it, it would have been better, Moses, for us to, to, to die and be buried in the place where we're in bondage and slavery than, than to come out and die in the wilderness, Moses. I, I don't know if you ever have the same thoughts that run through your head when you hear God speak into your life. But, but, but I have these questions that come up, and the question sounds something like this. Why, God? <laughs> uh, wh- wh- why me, God? I mean, Dr. Reggie is a much better pastor than me. God sent him to Los Angeles. Why me, God? God, 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 why, why now, God? God, we're enjoying your favor at Woodstock. We're, we're seeing students come to Christ. We're, we're seeing students go around the world. God, 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 you're allowing us great favor. Why now, God? Why why me, God? Why why them, God? My father-in-law constantly reminds me you can't get fresh shrimp and you've got uh, cross-gender bathrooms in, in Los Angeles. Why, why, why them, God? Why me, God? Why now, God? Why them, God? Why their, God? I have all all of these questions that come up when I know the will of God in my life and I have issues of doubt and trust and I begin to say back to God, why God, why God, why God? I don't know if you can identify. <laughs> the people of God said to Moses, for it would have been better, Moses, for, for, for us to, to, to stay in Egypt and to die there than to come out to the wilderness and to die here. You see, why's best friend is fear, and when why and fear get together, they begin to make statements like, for it would have been better than to. Uh, I have a a, a theology of choice, Dr. Reggie. I have a theology of choice where God can ask and we can say, no, uh, uh, Lot did, (laughs) Peter did, Judas did. Jonah did. I have a theology of choice where God can ask and and we can say no, but I have a very robust theology of God's sovereignty as well. Where God can step in and He can intervene and He can call up and He can call out and He can make provision whenever, however, there is a need. He did on Mount Carmel. He did with the widow at Zarephath when the prophet had a need. I mean, he did with Jonah. Uh, God, I have a very robust theology of God's sovereignty, but also have a theology of God's choice. And I have to say to you over the last year and a half, I'm grateful over eight months when I said, God, thank you, but no thank you. God and his patience. God, in His sovereignty, he, he, he was compassionate, and He allowed us to wrestle through these issues, and I'm grateful for those times. But in the midst of all of those times, I began to ask God, why God? Why me, God? Why now, God? Why their God? Why them, God? God, all of my family lives on the East Coast. God, my wife is from Jacksonville, Florida. She's... Um, Family means the world to her. Um, and and, and, and why, 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 why should we move to the West Coast, God, when all of our family is here, God? God, for it would be better for for my kids to grow up in a, in, a, in a county, in a town where they get great education than to go to Los Angeles where they're known for terrible schools. God, it would be better for me to stay on the East Coast than it would be to go to the West Coast. God, it would be better for me professionally to stay in this environment than to move to the West Coast and start all over again. God, it would be better than to. I don't know if you have those same issues. I have to tell you this morning that over the last year and a half as we're wrestling through the call of God on our life, when we very clearly know the will of God. And by the way, you're looking at me like, like, like well, this is a great story, man. And thank you for narrating my, your story. And I, I, I just want to tell you this morning, my story is not your story, obviously. And your story is not the people of God's story, and I promise to goodness. This is not meant to be a preachy statement because I'm, I'm not a preachy type preacher, but all of our stories are meant for God's glory. So my story is a geographic change in a geographic location, trusting God with what he wants to do in California. But your story may be something drastically different trusting God with a new job, trusting God with a new relationship, trusting God with, 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 with kids in the home that are rebellious, trusting God with, with, with a health situation going on in your family I don't know what your issues are this morning but 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 all of us have the opportunity to exercise trust when we very clearly know that God has us walking through something but when why and and fear their best friends when they get together we begin to make statements like for it would be better than to You know, a lot of times we can talk ourselves out of pursuing the will of God, Dr. Reggie. When we begin to digest all of these questions and all of these issues, and yet God is looking at us and He's saying, your your role in the story is not to figure out your why. (laughs) You see, we ask why questions, but God doesn't ask the same question. God doesn't ask why questions. You know what God asks? God doesn't ask why. God asks who. (laughs) God doesn't ask why. God asked who, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, I was, took the month of December off in 2013 because I sensed that God was doing something and it was coming near and I took the month of December off to pray about what God was doing and, and I heard nothing through the entire month of December until the last day of December I was in Knoxville, Tennessee for a funeral and I was about an hour away from a conference called Winter Extreme, where there's a couple thousands of teenagers that go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. I have no idea why you would go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, but they go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and they do this conference, and I'm an hour away, and the guys at Planet are out of our church, and they literally book every hotel room in the city, and I call them, and I say, dude, I know you long shot. You probably don't have a hotel room, but we're an hour away. would love to bring my family over. He's like, "Dude, you won't believe this, but we literally have one hotel room left in the city. You can have it tonight. This is the end of my mini sabbatical and I get to the conference at night and then the next morning a buddy of mine is preaching and he stands up in front of everybody. I wasn't even supposed to be there. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, he tells students to turn to. (laughs) And Tony begins to read the passage and he says, whom shall we send Whom will go for us? That was the passage that God used to call me to ministry at 21 years of age. I was sitting in the back of the auditorium and it was another very emotional moment. It was a memorial stone in this process of discerning what God was doing. And as I heard Tony preach and as I read the scripture, uh, all this emotion flooded me and I'm sitting in the back and I'm just crying and and I say to God, God, if you can use anybody else, (laughs) feel free to do so. But God, if you can't, My yes is on the table. You see, we ask all of these why questions. Why God? Why me? Why them? Why they? And God doesn't ask the same question. God asks who? (laughs) Who will go for us? You You know why God doesn't ask the same questions that we ask? You know why God doesn't ask why there and, and how this and, and, and how's this going to play out? You know why God doesn't ask those questions? Because God has already seen what's on the other side of our fears. God has already seen what's on the other side of our trust issues. God has already seen what's on the other side of our doubts. And God knows how he's going to provide. God doesn't ask the same questions we ask. God doesn't ask why. God asks. Who? So the people of God have a moment where they have the opportunity to trust God. And I would not be a great preacher this morning if I just stood up before you and said, whatever you're going through, trust God. (laughs) But I want to try to narrate with you just for the last few minutes together what I believe chapter 14 says about trusting God. And I'm not a three ways to do anything, anything type of preacher, but I believe chapter 14 has a great word for us in how to trust God. Verse 13, but Moses said to the people... Moses said to the people, do not fear. So the first thought on trusting God that Moses issues to the people of God in their time of doubt, in their time of trust, he says, do not fear. Pastor Matthew, you mean like, 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 like buckle your, your belt, buckle a little bit tighter and, and wake up in the morning and have a lot more courage that you can face today? That, that's not what Moses means at all. <laughs> Actually, that's a terrible definition of, of not fearing God. That, that's a terrible fear. Actually, the opposite of fear is anticipation. The opposite of, of fear is anticipation. And so what Moses is saying to the people of God is, uh, people of God, don't just assume that God is about to make provision here. Moses says, do not fear. In other words, anticipate that God is about to make provision in your life. It's so the first thought on trusting God. Anticipate that God is going to provide. I get on a plane tomorrow morning, very early in the morning, to fly to Los Angeles, um, this past spring, I put my house up for sale. We sold it in three weeks by a family that knocked on our door without a realtor at 9 o'clock at night, and they paid cash for it for their, their 22-year-old daughter um, that week. And we have a very great house in Woodstock, more than we ever needed, but it was what God provided, and we got a great deal on it. It was a six-bedroom, six-bath. It was a pool home. We had 4,300 square feet in Woodstock, Georgia. We, we sold that house this summer for the equivalent of $81 a square foot. You can do the math on that. Um, We're out in Los Angeles, California tomorrow, Dr. Reggie, and we're having to lock down a house so that we can be in California according to our time frame. Do you know what houses are selling for in Burbank, California? They average for, yeah, you're laughing. I don't think it's funny. Uh, (laughs) They sell for $418 a square foot. Six times the cost of my house in Woodstock. <laughs> you say, well, Matt, you got an opportunity to trust God. <laughs> yep. I-, I have no idea how, how, how we're going to be able to get into a house. I can't qualify for the loan on a house in Burbank, California. Uh, I, I have no idea. In fact, we, we were out there a month and a half ago, found the house. We submitted our application. We were one of six in the first couple days. They took us. I was in Kansas City um, and they emailed the rental, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the lease to us on a Thursday night. I printed it off on Friday morning when I got home. I emailed it back that afternoon. I FedExed a deposit on Saturday. They got it on Monday, two business days later. I woke up on Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. with this thought, this fear. I cannot explain it. I, I cannot. I can not hardly articulate it, but I woke up at 5 a.m. and I had this sense that something was not right and I started to pray, God, I have no idea what's going on here, but we've already contractually committed to this house. God, if there is something crazy happening, please, God, do not let our family enter into this uh, contractual relationship for 18 months. God, please protect us. At 12 o'clock, their realtor called. By the way, this was a house that exceeded our expectations. We were looking and we thought we were going to be in a three-bedroom, 1,500-square-foot house, which is a great house. This was another bedroom, more square footage. It would allow us to do what we need to do to plant a church there. The realtor called at 12 o'clock that day and she said, because you guys delayed getting your security deposit through business days, we've moved on to another applicant. We've been looking at houses on the MLS. We're working with a realtor. They sent us one this week. It's the only house that my wife has really liked, and we were excited about it, and we said, we want to see this house when we're out there next week. The realtor called on Friday and said, there's 14 offers on this house. There's no way you're even going to be able to see it next week. <laughs> see, I don't, I don't know how God's going to provide And in all of my trust issues and all of my doubt issues over the last year and a half, I can tell you I've arrived at a place and have not mastered it and have not perfected it. I'm teaching this morning as one who is in the journey with you. But I can tell you this morning, I have no idea how, but I know God is going to provide. You see, I've got this conviction, I've got this conviction that that if God invites you to the table, God's gonna pick up the tab. (laughs) If God invites you to the meal, He's gonna pay the bill. I don't know how God's gonna provide this morning, but I'm believing, I'm trusting, I'm anticipating that God is going to provide. And if I have to live in a van down by the river, so be it. But God will provide. Moses says to the people of God, Do not fear. He says in verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Right? Like, like, like it may seem obvious on God's part, like, like, like Pharaoh's coming and we're freaking out. And, and so like, like, but God's like, it's obvious to God. Why are you crying? And God says to Moses, tell the sons of Israel to go forward. The first thought in trusting God, I believe this passage very clearly articulates is to anticipate that God's going to make revision. The second thought I believe it articulates is, um, is, is that we have to get our, our feet moving, our mouth talking, our, our hands acting in the direction that we believe God has laid before us. I, I wrote it in my notes, and I guess I can say it like this in Louisiana. Don't sit on it. Get on it. <laughs> I've got a 23-year-old kid that wants to go to los angeles with us and he's been committed since the spring and he said i'm in i believe god's called me to los angeles i was somewhere out of the out of the state a while back and he texted me and he said i have no idea how i'm going to do this How i'm going to get a job how i'm going to work um, um, i just don't see how all of this is going to come together and i took my phone and i and i started to to type back a response to him and the response that i was beginning to type back to him was cameron you just need to trust god <laughs> And then I deleted the text, and I didn't send anything to him. And and when I got home, I said, dude, I'd like to meet you for coffee. And we met for coffee, and we sat across from each other. And I looked at him, and I said, Cameron, did God call you to Los Angeles? He said, yes, he did. I said, then, Cameron, I want you to go to Los Angeles under two conditions and two conditions only. Number one, that you function as a biblical man who takes initiative and responsibility. Number two, Cameron, you got to go find a job. Because Hebrews chapter thirteen, I'm going to shepherd your soul, Cameron, but I don't want to pay your bills. Okay, you got to go find a job, Cameron. And and so 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 this, this thought is that is that like like I'm I'm a youth pastor, John. Uh, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I've been a youth pastor. I just did. I've done weddings this year from kids who graduated from our ministry, and I've got kids that are in college now, and they're like, I want to get married, and I'm like, What are you doing? Are you are you dating? Are you finding? I mean, are you talking? They're like, no, I'm just praying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a little ridiculous (laughs) because you can't sit on your couch and play Xbox and expect God to drop her through the ceiling. You got to go find somebody. That's not how this thing works. You got to go forward. You got to, you got to, you got to go, you got to put your feet in action into the place that God has called you to go. The first thought Moses gives to him is anticipate God's going to make provision. The second thought he gives him is get up and let's go, (laughs) get up and start moving. And then the last thought. This is the end of the story. And and, um, the end of the story, you know the end of the story. The Red Sea caves in on uh, on, on the Egyptians and the people of God march out on the other side. Verse 25, God caused their chariot wheels to swerve. And he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Moses says to the people of God, anticipate God's going to make provision. He says, don't sit on it. Get on it. Let's go. And then the last thing Moses says to the people of God and their trust issues is, you know what? Let God fight this battle. Let God fight the battle. We've been working through how we're going to meet and where we're going to meet. I don't know if you've ever been to L.A. and some of you guys are coming out this summer. But in L.A., it's, it's, your pastor can testify he was out there it's literally the, the, the epitome of urban sprawl. There's house after house, building after building, business after business. You don't know when one neighborhood ends and when another neighborhood begins. You don't know when you're in Burbank and then when you get over to North Hollywood. It just, it just, it's boom, it's there. It's what it is. And people ask me, where, where are you guys going to meet? When, you're going to buy some land and build a, high, and build a church? I' <laughs> like, no, that, there's no land. Um, we can't buy land and, and build the church. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we talked to a couple places. We're just not sure. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call from a guy, Robbie Pitt in Los Angeles. He called me on, texted me and said, call me ASAP. I called him and he said, Matt, I was at a conference this week and I don't know what will come of it, but I met a guy who's an interim pastor at a church in Burbank that has essentially died. They're down to 19 people and they have this $30 million facility. It's literally an entire city block. It's across the street from Walt Disney Studios in a great location. And they're looking for somebody to give the building to. (laughs) (laughs) you see i don't know how but god's going to fight the battle god's going to make a way and god's going to make provision dr reggie my personality is such that I, i i'm i'm results driven in a lot of ways that can be very sinful I want to know how many people showed up to church. I want to know how many people got baptized. I want to know how much, how much offerings we took up. I want to know how many people are serving the body of Christ. I, uh, I'm very results-oriented to a point that it can be sinful. And I can look at this process in Los Angeles and, and I can and get caught up in, in how many people are coming to Story City Church and, and, and how much money we've raised and, and how many teams are coming out. And I want you to understand this morning that's really not the point. The end of the story here in verse 30 says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Verse 31, When Israel saw the great power, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, praise God, and they believed in the Lord and in His servant Moses. (laughs) You see, the end of the story and the end of this journey is not necessarily how many people showed up even though that's a major part of it (laughs) the end of the story in trusting God in your journey in my journey in all of our journeys when we believe God has clearly spoken and we have the opportunity to trust God the end result is not how many the end result is did I worship Jesus in this process That's the end goal in this whole thing is that that God wants to bring us to a place in the story. If you read the grand narrative, the grand narrative narrates God's role in the story is salvation and deliverance. Our role in the story is trust and hope. And so chapter 14 is a mini-narrative of that entire narrative. And the end goal is did I hope and did I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ through this process and that is the goal? I, I wish I had time to narrate to you the song that I heard in February at a conference I was preaching at on a message I'd literally preached four years in a row to students, asking them, "What are you willing to sacrifice in order to pursue the will of God for your life?" <laughs> four years, and a song came up, and they were playing it in the invitation time at a weekend I didn't even want to be at, and and I believe God very clearly spoke, and it was "Oceans" by Hillsong United. You can go read the text of it later, but. Uh, the joy in this whole journey is stepping out on the waters and allowing God to make provision. I, my story is not your story. Your story is not the people of God's story. And honest to goodness, not to be preachy, but all of our stories are meant for God's glory. I don't know what your God is asking you to trust Him with this morning. But I believe it's one of the deepest experiences in all of our Christian journey. Let me say this and then we're done. Um, um, It is a great joy to be able to partner with Temple to plant a church in Los Angeles. We'll tell you a little bit more about it tonight and some of the ins and outs and how and all that kind of stuff. And it's a great joy to partner with you, Dr. Reggie, to plant a church. If you ever at any point hear about Story City Church... On social media, Instagram. If you hear Dr. Reggie talk about it or it ends up in your bulletin sometime, I don't want you just to think, oh, that's that, that guy that came and preached, that's his deal, or, or that, that's, that's a Los Angeles deal, or that's their deal, or that's that the, Dr. Reggie's passion, that's, a, that's his deal. I don't want you to think that way. I want you to think this is our deal. As a partner church, we're, we're planning together, and Dr. Reggie, it is a real joy to be accountable to the resources and what you send our way. I'm grateful. For the partnership, I want to pray for us. We're going to sing one last song. And then I want to say to you this morning, whatever God may have spoken to you, if you're walking through something this morning, whatever that journey may be, this is a moment for you to begin to look God in the eyes and say, God, I, I don't know how it all goes down, but God, I want to trust you in whatever is happening. I want to pray for us. We're going to sing and then we're going to move on. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus this morning. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the word of God this morning. God, in all of our lives, there is a journey that's being told. God, that's narrated by you as you ask and we respond. And God, in that moment as we respond, God, I pray that you would help us in our weakness. God, help us in our doubt. Help us in our trust issues. Help us in those moments where we just cannot see how it will happen. God, may we trust you. Lord, we thank you, God, that you don't ask the same questions, Lord, because you've already seen what's on the other side. So the question for us today is not, it becomes, will we trust what we cannot see to the God who has and place our yes on the table? God, would we trust you today in what you've called us to? Lord, thank you for this great church, this great pastor, this great fellowship. Thank you for this partnership, for the glory of God, for the story of God, for the city of L.A. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.